Hi, I'm Jennifer Colosimo, the president of the Enterprise Division at Franklin Covey. And you are joining us to talk about the new world of work. You may have associates that are co-located, some that are hybrid, some that are remote. Work used to be a place that you went, and now it isn't always a place. And at the same time, we have our associates asking for belonging. I want to feel like I belong. I want to feel like people are paying attention to my career. I want to see my organization doing things that make a difference in the world. And so in that new world of work, as we share some best practices with you, I'm joined today by Corey Kogan, our Vice President of Global Sales Enablement at Franklin Covey, as well as the best-selling author of The Five Choices to Extraordinary Productivity. Welcome, Corey. I, I, thank you, glad to be here, Jen. Um, Corey, you are and have been for many years a productivity expert, an expert on so many areas of what Franklin Covey and our principles and practices bring to bear on all kinds of situations. As you think about the situation we're in right now and your expertise in decision management, attention management, energy management, what are some hints and tips that you can share with us as, as leaders need to lead through this particular time? Well, Jen, thanks for the question. I think it's a really interesting time. Like you said, uh, the goal is to really for leaders to uh, think about how they need to engage their people wherever they are. Uh, and that really starts with a decision be with a decision with a leader being seen as making the highest value decisions about themselves about their people and being a model of excellence you know around this and you know as we know you got to start somewhere you can't make a decision unless you sort of have an end in mind and for a leader particularly now establishing a clear vision uh, for their team, because imagine, and, and not every leader has been great at this in the past, but now with everybody so undecided about where they should work, how they should work, who they should work for, by the way, it's important for a leader to have a really compelling vision, this end in mind that people really want to get around, um, really want to act on, uh, on behalf of themselves, the leader, and the organization. If a leader has that, and then they are behaving with the end in mind of everything they're doing front and center, then it not only allows them to make the best decisions to get to that end in mind, right? but they are also providing the outcomes that are required for really talented team members to do their job by giving them that end in mind, by setting them free and saying, get it done the way you know how to get it done with the talent that you do. And that suddenly alleviates the where, where should I do it? Where, how do I do it? Micromanagement disappears. And the leader is an engaging leader from an end in mind point of view, a vision point of view. And their people really want to give of themselves because they have a clear roadmap to get to that. And everybody makes really good decisions around it and focuses their attention on doing a good job because somebody let them go to do a really great job. Well, Corey, I think you said a couple of really critical things. Um, I know many of our clients, uh, you read about it, 
are struggling with retention, um, struggling with retention in this interesting, as we look at place and space. And in addition to struggling with retention, they're struggling with how you engage someone and how you convey this vision, the end in mind, when you can't pass them in the hall. Um, and then what do you do when some of them you can pass in the hall or bring into a room and the others that you can't? Tell me some of the pieces of a great end in mind that might engage um, everyone who works with me to stay engaged with me and get our results. Well, sometimes uh, it's not uh, the greatest, uh, you know, thing in the, you know, we have to do some of the tedious work too, but even looking at some of, let's say, work processes today, I, I, everything has changed. You know, a leader can do that on his own and everybody can sort of sit back and say, well, I'm not involved. Or the leader can clarify and say, you know, over the next 90 days, we need to be able to have a really great system uh, of interaction between our people who are working remote and our people that are working in the office. So in 30 days, come up with a few great ideas. We'll spend another 30 days to work them out. And at the end of 90 days, we'll have a solution. So you don't need to do that walking in the hallway and people get to collaborate uh, around that as they want to and in scheduled meetings and, and, and all of that. So again, for me, it just doesn't matter where they are, whether in the hallway or not. Everybody's going to want to work on it based on this really clear roadmap that's going to get them to some vision like that example. Well, it's a great example because what I really liked is you're trying to tap into the genius of the team versus I need to sit home and figure this all out. I should have some ideas, but I also should be getting the best ideas from the people that are doing the work. And you also mentioned um, the word I'll use is autonomy. That's a conversation that a lot of people have been having about how autonomous do I really trust? Um, and so it sounds like, you know, you think if there's clear guidelines, measures, expectations, people want to do their best and, and there's a great way to balance autonomy and expectation management. Yes. And when you think about our company and our mission, we enable greatness in people, you know, uh, in organizations everywhere. And we know our assertions, everybody has greatness in them and it's, you know, it can be unleashed. And I'm a big believer in that. And particularly when you trust people and you give them the end in mind, and you get out of the way, they will show up and be creatively excited to give, you know, give their best. And I think that's a real challenge for a lot of leaders. Um, and the ones that have been doing that well are coming through this time much better than the ones that don't believe in people and that principle as much. So I'm, I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, you multiply people's intelligence, you unleash their potential, and you'll get more than you bargained for when you have this clarity of vision and ends in mind, outcome-based work, uh, and give them some guidance. You don't want to, uh, I've seen this too, where uh, some will say, well, they have to figure it out all by themselves. I'm a leader. I'm going to be there to clear the path for them, to give guidance, uh, but I, I'm going to let them do the work. And if they need me, they're going to come find me as well. Yeah, you need some guidance, some guardrails there, some, you know, from a win-win agreement standpoint, what's my resources? When is it due? How will we know if it was done well? So we've been talking about personal vision. Then you have to actually do it, right? The personal management piece and for leaders helping their teams prioritize. What are some of the best 
not, not they're not hints. What are some best uh, ideas you have for us in managing prioritization and what for many feels like overwhelm? Okay, so that's, uh, you know, bread and butter for me. I love that topic uh, because uh, and in working with organizations pre-pandemic in what they call the new world of work. So the office buildings were turning into these open environments uh, with some people working at home, some people. That was happening long before the pandemic. And uh, it was sort of the same then. And it's essential now that there is a language and methodology around um, prioritization, because what happens is because we're using our brains as our tool. And if somebody says something, we make assumptions about what important is. So what happens is because we're all making it up on what that really means, everything becomes important and nothing is prioritized and everybody's burned out. Yeah. And so by using a system of prioritization and for us, you know, and in the five choices to extraordinary productivity, the time matrix, the word urgent and important put together so that you have quadrant two, important, not urgent. We know what's really important for us, sort of the vision and the things that come out of that. Things that are urgent and important, you know, just crises things. We know what they are. We try to mitigate those things that are urgent um, and not important. They're distractions. A lot of times we can we can find things that we're doing to hurt ourselves, but organizationally or team-wise or leader-wise, we can figure that out. And not important, not important things that I'm just, I'm excessively watching television because I'm just all burnt out. So that's just a frame to say there's a language and methodology of prioritization that regardless of where you are around the world, whether you're in your office or you are working at home or whatever it is for you, if everybody's clear on what our quadrants twos are and are able to speak this language of, it feels like a quadrant three, you will find everybody on the exact same page and really constantly distilling down to those things that are most important, less important and not important. And what I love about what you said is it also um, helps manage your energy and your well-being. Because if everything is important, you're completely responding to every beep, ding, request, um, completely overwhelmed. Uh, last topic for us, I'd love to hear any ideas uh, from the five choices, from your own personal experience as a leader in managing your own energy and well-being and how prioritization fits in? Well, that's a, a big that's a big question for a, a, a minute or two here. And I, you know, it's it's sobering what has happened over, you know, the last uh, 15, 16 months now, a couple of things because people, the lines got so blurred on home, you know, personal, professional, and all of that, and stress levels so high uh, that that is something that really needs to, you know, you need to be worked on. That's a priority. In all of this, as a leader, if, 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 you are not, if you are not, as a leader, taking care of yourself first, there's a few outcomes of that. One, you are going to kill yourself. Uh, and which you don't want to do. No. And number two, particularly in this day and age, as we watch the trends, if you are not being seen as a model of 
energy, wellness, taking care of yourself, your people are not going to stay. They're going to go someplace where somebody values the need to take breaks and take vacations and all of that. So, so, so those two reasons are, re are really, really important that we really take a look at this and take care of ourselves so we can also give our best to our people. And I mentioned the brain earlier. We are paid to think, innovate, create, and execute. That's how you get to high value decisions. And if we're not giving ourselves the oxygen, the nutrients to keep our brain healthy in order to make those kinds of decisions all day long, we're not, we're not being the best we can be and your team will know that. So wellness uh, and in other studies, CEOs finally are realizing the well-being of their employees is a top requirement moving forward. I appreciate that, Corey. Thank you for taking the time with us. Great insight into vision, prioritization, and energy management. Thanks again, Corey. Thanks for having me.